Productivity, that's the name of the game today, right? Get as much done in the day as you can. But let's not confuse productivity with focus because focus is what it takes to actually get the important work done. And that's what we talk about on this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. We're going to visit with Chris Bailey. He's the author of Hyper Focus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Chris Bailey. He's a productivity expert and an international best-selling author of the book called The Productivity Project. But today we're going to talk about a new book called Hyper Focus, How to Be More Productive in a World of Distraction. So Chris, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, man. So there are two words in this title that I want us to spend some time on. Focus and productivity. Are those the same yeah. thing? Are they interchangeable? How are they linked together? I think the the more focused we are and the better we manage our attention, the more productive we become. But uh, I don't really have um, a, a cut and dry way by which I look at productivity. You know, Because when you zoom out from the idea of productivity, you realize that so much affects how much we're able to accomplish over the course of the day. How much energy we have affects it, whether we, uh, whether we spend our time on the best possible things in the first place. And so focus is one of those things that, that contributes to it. But at the same time, I would argue that in the environments that we work inside of today, it's the ingredient that's in the most demand and it's the one that we so often have the least control over you know the world uh, decides for us what we focus on instead of us choosing what we focus on ahead of time in fact you could make a case for and some people do that hyper focus can actually be a detriment if it you know there's a lot of people in ADHD world that treat, yeah. treat hyper focusness if that's a word um and, <laughs> sure and, why not and, and so so while you're talking about it as like the killer thing, uh, it yeah. also has its limitations or, or has to be managed in order to create productivity. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. You know, the, the way that I choose to define hyperfocus, I, I kind of borrow, like you said, the, the term from ADHD literature. I, I use it as when we as a definition for when we bring our complete attention to something, but our deliberate attention to something. Um, and, and so that that kind of cuts to the core of it. You know, if I'm if I found one thing in researching productivity and nerding out about these ideas for so long, it's that what lies at the center of what it means to be productive it isn't you know working harder 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 faster 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 it's working with greater intention and deliberateness and so i think that's something we need to do with our focus too the the term hyper focus and you know if you look at the cover of the book i have a copy here it's very red it's very vivid and bright uh, and and it kind of implies some intensity but I, I think it's a bit slower than that it's just about choosing what we focus on before we focus which is way easier said than done, which is why there's been a few books on the topic, but we have to bring that deliberate attention to something. Um, hang on a second. I'm making a stock trade right now. Um, no, okay. I'm, I, no, what? I'm, I'm Please. Kidding. I'm Come kidding. Back, I'm really John. just John, trying to get into, into, into this idea of multitasking. <laughs> um, can't we get more done if we're multitasking? No, John, no. How many times do I have to tell you? No, that I think multitasking is a poorly uh, understood phenomenon. I, I thought I understood it going into writing this book, but I, it turns out that I didn't really have an understanding of it. Uh, we can 
multitask, but only with habits. And so who's to say that we can't walk down the sidewalk while we uh, listen to a podcast like this one, while we avoid the cracks in the sidewalk, while we chew bubble gum? You know, we can do most of those things because most of those are habits. When we, once we initiate the habit sequence in our mind, we can go through the rest of it on autopilot mode. But where we run into trouble is when we have to bring our full attention to more than one thing at one time that, you know, the more complex things in our work. And frankly, we could multitask if we could seamlessly switch from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. But we experience a sort of residue in our attention that, that exists from the previous thing that we were just doing. So if we were having a conversation prior to this one, that might prevent us from becoming immersed in, in the conversation that we're having right now because a part of us uh, is always thinking about what we were doing before. And so we can't really focus on more than one thing at one time. So what we think of as multitask is really just this rapid switching between things, which we can rapidly switch between things, but because of this residue that exists as we move from one thing to the next to the next, things take uh, on average about 50% longer. Yeah, I mean, that everybody's been focused on something and gotten interrupted, and then it took you about five minutes to get back into it. And I, I mean, I, I think that's what you're describing, right? Yeah, well, it, it depends, actually. Th this is the fascinating thing, and one of the best parts about nerding out about the topic for, for writing the, the book is that it depends on whether a distraction or interruption is external or internal. And, and so when we're interrupted completely, um, it, it takes us uh, about 22 minutes to get back on track and resume doing the original task. But when we seek out something to interrupt ourselves with, uh, it takes us about 29 minutes to resume working on that original thing. And here, here's the thing, is we don't just go to doing that thing, then go back. We do 2.26 other tasks before resuming. So we distract ourselves a second time uh, before we get back on track. But uh, luckily, there is a saving grace with regard to this, and it's that this distraction isn't our fault. Uh, our mind is wired, in fact, um, to pay attention to anything that's one of three things. So we, we're wired to naturally pay attention to anything that's pleasurable, uh, anything that is threatening, and anything that is new and novel. So we even have a, a novelty bias embedded within our brain, like, oh, we should you know, trade some stocks while we're having this conversation, because that's a pleasurable, novel, maybe threatening thing that we could focus on instead of a more meaningful conversation that we could be having in front of us. And so it, it's not necessarily our fault, because the world is wired in such a pleasurable, threatening, novel way, but we do, uh, I argue in the book, need to get out ahead of this impulse. You, you know, one thing that happens in my brain, and, and sure, sometimes it's procrastination. It's, you know, it's I don't really want to be doing the thing I'm doing, so I'm more easily yeah. distracted. But sometimes when I'm doing something, I write a lot, and I open up the, you know, the, the, the tab, and I start writing, and I'm focused, and I've got a lot to in, and about 40 seconds in, I'm like, <laughs> I think I'm going to do something else, you know? But it's um, I think it's just my brain, you know, pulls me away, and I think that's a really common thing, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if you pulled 
40 seconds out of out of the ether, but the research shows that 40 seconds is the average amount of time that we only focus on one thing for, whether we're writing a report, whether we're updating a, a budget in Excel, whether we're typing up an email. Uh, so th- this is kind of this novelty bias in action where we're constantly seeking out something that's more stimulating than what we could be doing, so we have more dopamine coursing through our mind. And this lowers down from 40 seconds to 35 seconds that we switch between things when we have apps like uh, Slack and Skype and other instant messaging things open as we're working. And, you know, what we see is a distraction. You know, the, you know, I talked about the three magnets for our attention, anything that's pleasurable, threatening, or novel. What we see as a distraction, I think you hit the nail on the head, is anything that in the moment is more pleasurable, threatening, or novel than what we truly ought and want to be doing. And so I think it's so critical to tame these things ahead of time. Uh, one of my favorite apps for writing is called Cold Turkey Writer. H- have you used that app before? I-, I haven't, but I have heard of it. Oh, man. Yeah. So you fire it up. It essentially takes over your computer and it says, you know, either set a limit, you know, how many uh, minutes do you want to write for or how many minimum words do you want to write? And it hijacks your computer <laughs> and so you can't switch to doing anything else until you hit that that word count or that time li- uh, minimum. Uh, and so, you know, these are ways that apps like that, distractions blockers, because we, we can't resist Twitter in the moment, um, you know, taming these things ahead of time is so critical. So... Have our brains over the last 10 years, you know, gotten this new conditioning or have we just, it's just been easier to find this stuff? I mean, has this always been the case or are we more so today? Yeah, we always resist things, right? Like, um, you know, the most important tasks in our work, they're always less pleasurable, less threatening, less novel than, you know, a conversation with a coworker, some some uh, water cooler chit chat. But, uh, you know, the internal distractions uh, have definitely gone up by which we interrupt ourselves with. And it's because the world is wired to be more pleasurable and threatening and novel um, that we switch between things uh, more quickly. And what this does is, you know, I make a case that's bigger than productivity in the book. Because, you know, I set out to write a productivity book, but what I realized very quickly was that the state of our attention is what determines the state of our lives. You know, if we're distracted in each moment, that that makes us feel overwhelmed. Those moments don't exist in isolation. They they accumulate day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year to build up to create a life that feels overwhelming and and like we don't have a a clear purpose for where we want to go. And the same is true, though, if we make a concerted effort to focus on what's meaningful in each moment, uh, on what's productive and and allows us to accomplish a a lot in each moment, you know, conversations with loved ones, um, you know, the run that we're going on, the song that we're listening to, the cup of coffee that we're drinking. It seems so luxurious, but it really allows us to accomplish more and get more meaning out of our lives. And, you know, a lot of that involves ratcheting down how stimulated we are by default, because, you know, I I think you you got it right. We've never been uh, busier while accomplishing uh, as little as we do today. And I would argue that it's because we're so stimulated. So by lowering that level of stimulation, we can think more deeply. We can focus on things for more than 40 seconds. We can notice that we have veered off track and, uh, 
and uh, refocus, but you know, before uh, 22 minutes or 29 minutes, um, depending on where where distraction or an interruption comes from. So I think you know this idea that you know we need to choose what we pay attention to and so much of that is taking control of our environments um that that idea is it's never been more important because we're surrounded by more uh stimulating things than we ever have been well and now we just moved over into the spiritual uh, aspect of the uh, yeah. podcast today because really what you're describing in a lot of ways and what you describe in part of the book not the entire book but part of the book you know, it was covered in a lot of Eastern texts that talk about mindfulness. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that, that's often associated with lower blood pressure and more peace yeah. and happiness. And, you know, it's yeah. not just productivity, is it? It really is. Yeah. The, you know, I, I think it is impossible to become more productive without also becoming more deliberate. And it's so difficult to become more deliberate without becoming mindful of what you're doing in the first place. You know, all mindfulness is, is a process of noticing. Uh, You notice what you're doing. You notice what you're thinking. You notice the intentions of other people. You notice the impulses that you have. So you can say, oh, man, like, you know, I I have an impulse to eat this bag of chips in front of me. Maybe I should get out in front of this impulse. I have a, you know, I feel like I'm going to distract myself. Maybe I should get out in front of this. And you're right. The research does bear this out. The more control we have over our attention, the the more control we have over our life. My favorite studies on this, the less control we have over our, our attention, um, the less autonomous we feel with our life, uh, the less we accept ourselves, the less happy we are, and, and the less satisfied we are with our lives overall. Uh, control a kid has over their attention. The more text messages a kid sends, in fact, um, the, the less they feel like they have control over their life and, and accept themselves as well. So, you know, the, these truths are universal that the, the quality of, of our attention matters. I think it's, it's the most important ingredient uh, for our productivity today. So let's just get it out there. Email yeah. is killing us. Oh, jeez, man. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, the, the average knowledge workers, so somebody who works in front of a computer, uh, checks their email 88 times over the course of the day, so uh, 11 times every hour. And, you know, this this is, uh, email often doesn't take a ton of time uh, of our day, but it takes up a lot of attention. So th- these are 88 times when we're not totally immersed in email, we're kind of thinking about it as we switch to, to doing something else. And so, you know, a good tactical uh, thing that somebody can walk away with is, you know, bring some of this awareness, some of this deliberateness to email. Maybe only check for new messages if you have the time, uh, the attention, and the energy to deal with whatever might have come in since the last time you checked. You know, it's a simple tactic, but it's a way of ratcheting down how often you check or keeping a tally of how many times you check throughout the day. Because if you're close to 88 times, you might want to, you know, lower that a little bit. Is there an app? There's got to be an app for that because I probably check it 200 times a day. Um, and and oh, I think man. that we, we could have like a contest. <laughs> uh, and I think that, you know, as you were describing earlier, I mean, email offers, there might be something different in there. There might be something cool, something terrifying, something stimulating. I might have got some more business, yeah. you know, and I think that's that's always the allure, <laughs> isn't it? 
Yeah, well, what what is more, uh, you know, pleasurable, threatening, or novel that that you could receive on the computer than a little notification that pops into the corner of your screen, or or the sound that we're conditioned to almost salivate to <laughs> when we hear that a new email has come in? Uh, but th- this just makes it more critical that we get out ahead of this impulse. Um, if you feel like you have to be connected all day, which uh, frankly a lot of us do, th- this is the thing about productivity advice: is you got to take the advice that works for you. And leave the rest. But email sprints are something that, that I coach a lot of people through. Um, and, and it, you know, the tactic is simple. At the start of every hour, you set a timer for 15 or 20 minutes and you blow through as many email messages as you possibly can during that time. So essentially you hyper-focus on email, then you get 45 to, to, to minutes or so for the rest of the hour to focus on things that are more important. So, you know, there are ways that we can uh, compartmentalize these ideas while we still stay on top of everything. Well, and he, he blurbed your book, The Modern um, Godfather of Productivity, David Allen. You know, I, I yeah. remember reading Getting Things Done, and that was, you know, it was like, touch it once. <laughs> you know, yeah. deal with it or, you know, don't don't go there. Um, and I think that that's a version of what you're saying. So so let's um, – yeah. uh, we've, we've been beating up what's wrong with our world for quite a while here. So <laughs> let's uh, let's move to – what are some steps you can take to actually get focused? Yeah. Well, you know, a couple ideas for email. You know, checking only if you have the time, the attention, the energy, keeping a tally, uh, doing some sprints. Uh, your smartphone is probably uh, one of the most pleasurable threatening novel things that that are in your environment. Uh, One tactic that I love for the smartphone, and once I turned it on to this mode, I found that my usage uh, basically halved, is uh, the grayscale mode. Have Have you heard of this mode on the smartphone? I've not. You essentially go to the uh, settings app and you search for grayscale, G-R-A-Y scale, and it turns your phone screen black and white. So it's like you're reading a newspaper. Well, it makes sense. So you don't have all the colorful, jazzy things on the color stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just so much more stimulating in the moment. And once that's not there, if you're it's like, oh, this is kind of boring. I'd rather, you know. Do, do something more colorful. Uh, and so you know, another tactic is to mind the gaps of your day. Uh, and this is something that I'm also a big advocate for. Uh, one, another thing I'm a big nerd about in addition to productivity is traffic flows. So how traffic flows down a highway. And if you look at what allows traffic to continue moving forward, it's not how fast that individual cars are moving. But rather, it's how much space exists between the cars that allows traffic to continue moving forward. And uh, I think our work is the exact same way. You know, we can't focus and reflect on something at the same time. And in fact, when our mind is wandering, so, you know, when we're walking on the way to uh, to a meeting or you're, we're just kind of letting our mind rest and wander in one way or another, we actually think about our goals 14 times as often as when we're focused on something. And so this is when we can set a, a direction for, for our focus, and then we can focus to actually move our work forward. But you know, it's kind of that, it's that, um, that intention behind our actions that, that comes from these gaps in our day. Um, and so, yeah, th- those are a few ideas. One, one more. Th- this is my favorite productivity ritual of all time. And I've been talking about this for years. Um, so if, if you've heard me talk about this, I apologize. But if, if you're new to this rule, it's one of my favorite productivity rituals. And it's called the rule of three. Uh, and it goes like this. At the start of the day, 
you fast forward to the end of the day in your mind and you ask yourself, by the time that this day is done, what three main things will I want to have accomplished? And it's it's simple, but it allows you to prioritize so that when you notice your mind is wandering throughout the day, uh, when you notice that you're in a pit of distraction and you're looking for something to do, you can revisit what you deemed to be important at the start of the day. And then you have a benchmark to measure your productivity against as opposed to just sort of busyness. Uh, and, and this fits with the way that we think. You know, you can look around us and we, we have sayings like good things come in threes and uh, celebrities die in threes and the third time is the charm. And uh, we divide stories into three parts, you know, a sequence of dozens of events. We divide them into the beginning, the middle and the end. And, and phone numbers are another good example of this, which are essentially, you know, we if you ask me what my phone number is, I won't tell you it's, you know, one billion six hundred thirteen million, you know, eight hundred ninety. I say it's one, six one three, da da da, da 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 da. You know, in chunks of three and four. So it fits with the way that we think, but it's also a way that we can focus on what's actually important throughout the day. Well, now I'm no productivity expert, but I will give you my tip. Um, yeah, I, I discovered a few years ago that if I actually worked shorter days, I got more done. Oh yeah. You, you know, this is uh, it's kind of the effect of a deadline where you you shrink how much time you do something over and you, you force yourself to expend more focus over that period instead. Yeah, I mean, the reality is I get I get I get every important thing like that's the other thing I love about this rule of three is a lot of days I could get all three of those things done in 45 minutes. And most of what I yeah. would spend the rest of the day doing is not really that valuable. Yeah. And th this is a truth about our work is uh, it's it's called Parkinson's laws is what it's referred to as in productivity circles. You know, our work tends to expand to fit how much time we have available for its completion. And this is something that I find with uh, some executives uh, that I coach and, you know, when they tame all their distractions. So they force themselves for just one day to not tend to any unproductive distraction, work all day with a distractions blocker. You know, some people find that they have like three hours of work to do and that the rest of their time is filled with, uh, with, with things that support their work, like uh, email or, or social media or just checking up on the news, things that make us feel busy, which, you know, makes us feel productive, but don't necessarily allow us to accomplish much. So it's a good way to get a handle of how much you have on your plate too, because sometimes being distracted, and this is this is kind of a controversial uh, opinion that I have, but I, th I think there's a lot of truth behind it. Sometimes the fact that you're distracted a lot throughout the day is a sign that you have the capacity to accomplish even more than you are and take on projects that are more complex than what you're already doing. Yeah, that makes total sense to me. Visiting with Chris Bailey, he's the author of Hyper Focus, uh, How to Be More Productive. In a world of distraction, Chris, tell people where they can find out more about you, your coaching, your books, and anything else you want to share. Yeah. So the book is called Hyperfocus. It's in bookstores everywhere if you like the sound of my voice. I have a cold right now, so it's a bit lower than the audiobook, but I, I record my own audiobook. Um, yeah, my, my site is called thelifeofproductivity.com, um, and uh, all my articles there are free. I just got rid of that annoying newsletter pop-up that comes up when you visit, so it's a friendlier place now. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me, man. And uh, James Earl Jones did my audiobook, but, you know. No big deal? <laughs> I asked him. He was busy. Okay. All right. Yeah. He didn't really. He didn't really do it. Chris, it was great uh, visiting with you. Great book, and uh, look forward to running into you out there on the road. You too.